Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we do hope that you enjoy what we have planned for you tonight. But first, we want our viewers to know <clears throat> and be aware of a very interesting uh, individual who is going to be in our area this week. Uh, Ken Ham, who is president and CEO of Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum, is one of the world's leading authorities on creationism. And he's going to be at the Canyons Church on Sunday and Monday, this coming Sunday and Monday, uh, March 10th and 11th. Now this perhaps is a chance in a lifetime opportunity to hear Ken Ham speak up for the inerrancy of creation as the book of Genesis records it, not as the book of Abraham records it. And we urge you to go and listen to him speak. He's going to be at the Canyons Church, which is at 1700 East Fort Union Boulevard in Cottonwood Heights. If you need more information, you can telephone 801-943-2241, or you can go to their website, which is canyonschurch.com. Uh, he's going to be there Sunday evening beginning at 6.30 p.m. and Monday evening beginning at 6.30 p.m. And if you want to know more about uh, his ministry, you can go to his website, answersingenesis.org, www.answersingenesis.org. Also, I would like to mention that about six months ago, Warren Jeffs announced from his prison cell in Texas to his FLDS people everywhere that their children could no longer be served lunch and their diet for breakfast and for dinner could consist only of beans and water. For six months, the hundreds and hundreds of children in the FLDS polygamy group have been fed that diet only of beans and water. How long do you think you could last and have energy uh, on that kind of a diet and only twice a day? Well, I think that it's time that we need to contact the news media, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Arizona Attorney General's Office, and the Family Services Offices, and whomever else you can think of, and complain that the children are not being protected against their own leaders. They are not protecting the children. This needs to stop and it needs to stop as soon as possible before severe malnutrition and its life-threatening uh, effects can develop. And Christians, I'm asking you, would you please pray for God's abrupt intervention to protect these poor children from Warren Jeff's tyranny that seems to continually be perpetuated upon them. <clears throat> Tonight, we have a unique story of a young man who was born and raised in the All Red Polygamy Group. He has left the group and is now a biblical Christian, but he stays in communication and fellowship with his friends and with his family who are still in the polygamy group. And so here to tell his story, uh, I would like to introduce and welcome our special guest tonight, Shiloh Jessup. 
Thank you, Doris. Ms. Doris, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here and a privilege. It's certainly a privilege to have you here. You've got a unique story. And you know, it is so rare that we actually get a man on our show from a polygamy group who's willing to talk. Um, I've had very few that want to talk on our show. And, and so I just want to thank you especially for having the courage to come on and really wanting to share the truths that you've learned uh, from being having a polygamy background. And you've got a very inspirational story. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I realize I, I wasn't married. I wasn't a polygamist. I wasn't a woman who escaped this. But uh, I was very much involved in that culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that the theology and the doctrines that uh, make up the framework for polygamy, um, they were very much a part of my life. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, we have a, a different story, but uh, some similarities. I think the important part being that Jesus Christ saved both of us. Right, exactly. And I'd like to, uh, just for, by you being here, I'd like to encourage uh, men, if you've been in a polygamy group and gotten out, uh, encourage you to, to uh, contact us and, and perhaps uh, we can talk to you about being on the show because we would love to, to interview you. So, uh, so J Shiloh, tell us about you. Where were you born and raised? Tell us about uh, your family. Were your parents polygamous? How well, was your yeah. childhood? Well, I, um, I was born here in Utah Valley. Um, almost always, all of my life I've lived here. Um, I spent, you know, first few years of my life we kind of moved around a little bit, but I lived in Payson for several years, um, right next to Rocky Ridge, the community where I we fellowshiped and I we ended up moving there when I was in high school. So that's kind of where I grew up. So Rocky um, Ridge is is a all red pol polygamy yes, community? Yes, it's, it's a community that uh, nearly everyone there is are members of the AUB. Uh -huh. And um, we lived outside of that, but we would go there, we would fellowship, we would um, attend church there, all of my friends were there. So that's how I grew up. Um, I was the oldest of 13 children. Wow. Uh, ten, 10 from my mom. My mom had 10 children. Um, bless her heart. Yeah. Uh, amazing woman. Um, my, 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 I, I can't say enough good about my parents. They, they truly, uh, they love God and they're doing what they, um, they truly believe that God wants, which um, is a little bit disheartening to me because I, I think that they're mistaken in that. When I was probably seven or eight years old, I think, is when my dad took a second wife. Um, I always knew that that would be the case, so it wasn't necessarily weird for me. And you lived in Provo at the time? This was in Payson, in just Payson, about 15 okay. minutes outside of Rocky Ridge. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has three children, um, wonderful people. They're, they all live in Rocky Ridge still. Um, I, I love being part of that family. Yeah. I, I grew up, you know, I love my family and they loved me. And um, we never had a lot of money, but we were, we were tight. We were close together. That's we, good. Um, a lot of love in your home, a oh, lot absolutely. of happiness, and, absolutely. and getting along with all your siblings. Uh -huh. did, did both families live in the same home, or did you live in separate homes? We, we usually lived in separate homes. Um, and, you know, as a kid, I think I saw it through, through different eyes than I see it now. Uh, I look back now, and, sure. and I think this is the case for everybody, where they can see um, issues and problems, maybe, in their home growing up. I mean, who can't? But uh, I see a lot of things that are specific to polygamy that maybe I think are kind of detrimental and hurtful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that definitely is for sure, too. Were your, were your parents strict in their religion, or were they at ease with people from different belief uh, backgrounds? Well, that's an interesting question. We, um, we were definitely strict believers. Um, as far as uh, strict, we had rules. Um, I never found them restrictive myself. Uh, I thought that the laws of God are, 
are here to give us freedom, and mm -hmm. I still believe that. Mm -hmm. The laws of God are here to, that's, to that's give us true. freedom. That's true, it is. <laughs> but um, we, we definitely believed very strongly in uh, Joseph Smith, in uh, the doctrine of plural marriage, in uh, everything else that the, the fundamentalist Mormons believe. And um, So you had a testimony of Joseph Smith? Would you say you did, or were I you too say, young? I, no, I definitely did. I mean, that was our, our focus. Uh, growing up, I, it was all about Joseph Smith, and we were told several, I mean, all the time, you've got to have a testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. Okay. And uh, the word testimony is interesting because the way I see it now, a testimony is a story. I, I go to court and I don't say, I know this man is guilty. You know, That's I, my I, testimony. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell my story, well, here's what happened to me. And, and my testimony now is, here's where I was, and here's mm -hmm. what God did, and here's where so I am now. So different, isn't it? So, uh, but, but as a Mormon, my, my definition of testimony was a rock-solid belief in something. And so, yes, I would say um, all the time, I... I have a testimony of Joseph Smith. And when I was a little kid, that's all I knew was Joseph Smith was this great guy, and, uh -huh. and I believe in him, so I have a testimony. And I grow up, and I, I need to study more, and I need to know more about him, and I'd always say I have a testimony of him. Um, but eventually, it got to the point where I was wondering, how do I really know if something is true? I was, um, I was driving down the road one day, and I passed a Ferrari going the other direction, and I thought, whoa, what a nice car. And I had these emotions well up inside me, chemicals, that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I then had to stop and I asked myself, if I can't tell the difference between, wow, that's my favorite car, and this is true, then maybe there's a problem here. Oh. Maybe I can't really trust myself and my own feelings to determine what is true. And, and at that point, it, it kind of became a struggle for me to wow. say, um, I, I, I know the Book of Mormon is true because it feels good. Um, I mean, this was going on throughout my life, but when I really started to question, I think... Um, you know, I was 14 or 15 years old, uh, and I still, if you asked any of my friends or family, I would be the, the strongest testimony, the least likely to ever leave this kind of a lifestyle. I was, I was a leader amongst the youth. I was, uh, if somebody else was questioning their testimony, I'd be the first one there encouraging them and praying for them to come back uh -huh. and to believe and telling them all these reasons. And, um, and yet, there were some times when I'd pray and I, I felt like I'm not getting answers to my prayers. And I thought that it had to be this, um, you know, if you do this and this and this, then God's going to answer your prayers and He'll say yes or He'll say no. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if He's not telling me yes or no, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm. Maybe I'm not keeping the rules enough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was like, why would I, I shouldn't even pray tonight because I know I'm not a good person. Maybe I just need to work really hard this week and maybe next week I'll say my prayers and then I'll how, ask God. How, and he'll how, tell me. how did, were you with the Bible? Did you read the Bible a lot? Or did your family read the Bible? Did the group promote reading the Bible or was it basically the just Mormon like the scriptures? LD, just like the LDS Church, they say uh, the four standard works of the Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, those mm -hmm. are the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But as you know, they say the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly. And right. I started to say, you know what? If the Bible's only true as far as it goes along with what Joseph Smith said, then why are we reading it at all? Why don't we just study Good Joseph question. Smith and Good. just read what he said about things? And, yeah. and basically, that's what we did. We, um, we would read the Bible. Uh, we, we might go through some books or, or through all of it, but it was always taken with, um, this is, isn't all necessarily true. There have been things that have been taken out or changed. It's not really trustworthy. The Book mm -hmm. of Mormon definitely is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So we spent more time, I would say, yeah. studying the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants and our church history and doctrine than we ever did the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's how I felt about it. One day I remember, um, I, we, we grew up with the King James Bible, and that was a little bit hard for me, the language, but um, I was in Nebraska or something, and I, 
at a truck stop and I saw a new international version and I picked it up and it was just the New Testament. But I took that home and I wore that thing out. Oh, I was really excited that I could now understand yeah. it. And I'm not saying anything <laughs> against the King James Bible. It's wonderful. But mm. for me at that time, this kind of got me excited about it. And that opened my eyes to some new things. There are that there's a theology presented in the Bible that's not really full of holes. That's right. It's just different Absolutely. from what we believe. Absolutely. Um, but, but definitely, I grew up believing that when in conflict, Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon or any Mormon teachings would trump the Bible. Hmm. Um, I've heard people say, you know, Mormonism has its roots in the Bible. Biblical Roots of Mormonism uh, is a book out there. But when you look at it, it's not that they take the Bible as the base and then they, they get Mormonism out of it. They've got this new theology, and Mormonism ties in here and there. They'll, they'll take a verse or that mm -hmm. verse, and mm -hmm. I feel like it's out of context. Oh, and the, they the, do. They take the, the Bible definitely doesn't say that, but you can say, look, we're explaining this. Yeah. And if, you're, um, if your fundamental belief is Joseph Smith is a true prophet, well, then you would believe him when he says the Bible isn't trustworthy, and let me explain this part to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you... In talking with you, you said that you get along well with your parents, you get along well with your family, and, and with friendships on the group. It's unusual, honestly. I mean, we've had a few people from the All Red group. Last week, we, we had a, a Mary Woodward was here, and, and she gets along well. She had kind of a, a, a smooth journey out as well. Mm -hmm. But not always is that the case, uh -huh. where you can still remain friends. In fact, sometimes they'll shun you and just absolutely have nothing to do with you when you leave. Why is it different with you? Well, I've, I've heard that's the case. And first of all, I would have said in the past, no, that's, that's not it for me. Everybody's great to me. But uh, it's been a couple of years now, and although I still have a relationship with my parents, I would have to admit that it's suffered because of my leaving. Not because they've shunned me at all, but because the deepest part of our relationship, or the deepest things we could talk about were our religious, spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. And that whole subject... We've kind of brushed under the table. It's, yeah, it's, you don't it's talk the thing about we don't want to talk about because we just come to conflict about it. Yeah. And I, I wish that we could find a way to talk about these things, um, to be open-minded, to hear each other, to learn from each other, uh, so that we didn't have to brush that aside. And then with my friends, um, and I'm, I'm sad to say this, but I have lost a lot of those friendships. And par partially probably because I've been um, very busy. I will maybe later get into some of the ministry that I'm involved with now. But I think any time you, you get married and you, you have a new life, friends grow apart. But also because of that, that deepest part of our relationship was our spiritual our, mm -hmm. you know, being bound together mm -hmm. with a common belief. And because of that, I mean, they don't call anymore and, and we don't do things. So, so I think that's very hard. As for those people who are, are shunned, I know that... Um, I've heard of, of some of the other groups where people oh, are kicked out oh, completely and they're, they're on their awful. own and, and yeah. I, my heart goes out to them. And even in the, the, um, the ALRI group or the AUB, as they call it, I would say um, of anybody I know, if, if their children left, they would be devastated just like my parents are. They, their hearts would, would break for that and they, they, they truly believe that they've they turned against something. True, right? Yeah. Um, so that would be very hard already. And then... A lot of times when people leave, they, they um, for one thing, they may be bitter um, and, and be confrontational, which I, I, I try not to do that. But another thing is they truly want to, maybe they have a new epiphany and a new experience, and they want to share that with their parents. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, you're coming back to try to convert us, and we, we're trying to convert you back, and that just makes for conflict, especially fit. when people aren't open-minded. to. Well, and what amazes me is uh, being raised in, in that 
uh, environment, that religious belief. We know what they believe because we were taught that. Right. But why wouldn't they have the at least the desire to to want to hear what we believe now? But well, they won't listen. They won't. They don't want to hear what we believe. I think it's because growing up, we, at least for me, we knew that we were different from the rest of the world. Right. So we purposely. Um, studied, uh, for, for us it was usually the differences between the regular LDS church and the fundamentalist beliefs, um, but also a little bit of, of uh, the Christian beliefs. At least at least I, I thought that I knew a little bit about it. Yeah. And so if I had never um, come out of that and, and come to this new awareness, if I still was there and my child left, I would think you're just turning against what's true. Mm -hmm. And when, when that happens, when both sides think that they're right and aren't willing to to a dialogue, or, or if even one side isn't willing to dialogue, that makes for a confrontation, that's right. and that that's can true. turn into alienation or shunning, um, or just putting it under, under, shoving it under the carpet, like you say, and then talking about something else. Exactly. Totally. So, exactly. were you educated in the public school? Um, um, I was kind of in and out of homeschool and public school uh -huh. um, for the uh, up until uh, high school. I was mostly at home. Uh, my, mom, my mom does homeschool with the children now, or some of them will attend the community co-op. Uh -huh. um, but then in high school, I went to public school, and then okay. I went on to college as well. W were you taught in w while growing up uh, the, the times that you did interact with public school or, or children or people outside of the polygamy group? Were you warned against talking about your lifestyle and about polygamy? Was yeah. that a fear that they put in you or a warning? I wouldn't say that um, they put it in me. Uh, any more than it just grew up with, with the lifestyle that we had. You got to remember um, 1953, I think, uh, there was a raid in Short Creek uh -huh. and some men were incarcerated. So my grandfather, um, his, his father was in jail. And um, so, so my parents' generations, you know, they're, they're, they're told very much not to tell other people about this. We know that it's um, against the laws of the land yeah, right now. Yeah. And they believe that it's, it's uh, the laws of the land conflict with the laws of God, so we've got to do this, but we, we can't tell anybody. And so, we, you know, there was a little bit of fear, especially when, um, you know, everything started happening with the, the FLDS, the Warren mm. Jeffs group. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, we were wondering, are they going to come after us as well? Uh, were, was there a lot of fear in your group from that? Was there well, the groups are very different, of course. There was right. a, a split between that group and the Otter group mm -hmm. many years ago, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, the practices are very different. So. We knew that the, the, the authorities were going after him not only for polygamy, but for underage marriages and forced marriages and trafficking children and these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And we were very much against that. So we were hoping that, that he would be apprehended. Um, but we were also hoping that they then wouldn't turn their eye to us yeah. and start prosecuting other and, polygamists. And start, just start a whole trend yeah. there. I know people from other groups would make the remark uh, of the, that his civil rights and the civil rights of the FLDS people were violated through this. And, and that was actually, they weren't violated through it at all, but that was their fear showing through, you know. Yeah, I don't that, know too that much. That the authorities were, were going after them, so we might be next. Yeah, I don't know too much about the details of what happened, but there was a little bit of fear that... Um, that they, they might, may come after us, yeah. knowing that this was against the law. When you were being raised, again, um, were you aware of the rival polygamy groups? Did you know there was more than just the All Red Group and, and um, the Mormon Church? Did you know there was the FLDS and the Kingstons and the Independents and all that? When I got into high school, I would say that's when I really started to study a lot. I, um, again, mostly we thought of it like we have the truth. We have all of the truth. We're the few people have all of the truth. And the main LDS church, they have 
some of the truth. And the Christians, they have some of the truth, and the atheists, don't, they don't have any of the truth. Kind of like yeah. that. But I started, um, when I found out that there are other polygamous groups that, that claim that they have the truth, right. um, it became a, a, something that I was almost fixated on. I wanted to find out where do we claim our, our line of priesthood authority? Mm -hmm. uh, what is our doctrine and our theology? How does it differ from some of those groups? So I looked into um, a lot of them. Well, did you? I, so I you studied study. the other groups? Mm -hmm. Is that what you did? And I wouldn't say everybody does that, but I definitely did. Yeah, well, you, well, I think you're unique. In this, in this certainly are. So did you study into the Kingston group? I didn't. Um, I knew a little bit about it. Um, I most of the studies that I did were were on the. Um, I guess they call it independence, uh -huh. um, and I, I knew a little bit about the Kingston group. And when I when I heard your story, I, I, you're such an inspiration. Um, that must have been a horrifying experience to be there. And uh, it's it, it's there are horror stories in that group. Definitely, there are. Yeah, but yes. I, yeah, I don't know too much about their history. Okay, uh, they are the only ones that have the keys. By the way. Oh. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, they all claim that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is an interesting thing to, to claim. The, uh, the LDS Church claims that they have the keys, and uh -huh. the, uh, each, each of the fundamentalist groups claim that they that have the they keys. And, the um, right. when, I, when I left, I remember thinking, okay, well then, you know, throughout the process, well then where are the keys? Yeah. And I, I came to find out that Jesus Christ was the great and last high priest, and right. he holds the keys even today. Yeah. And, and he told the, Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Yes, and I think And what that are the keys for? They are, the keys to the kingdom the of keys? heaven. The keys? Now, what are keys for? Let's just well, they're say for unlocking a door. They're for <laughs> opening something up, aren't they? Yes, they are. And it's been opened up, hasn't it? It certainly has. And we That's still it. have those keys today to yeah. open it up, the to gospel. unlock, to preach the gospel, to evangelize the world, mm -hmm. to disciple our children, to disciple each other. Right. That's what the priesthood is. It's the priesthood of all believers. Uh-huh. Exactly and right. And no, no one man can uh, stand between you and God anymore. Not anymore. When Jesus died and the veil was rent in the temple, um, but before that only the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies, mm -hmm. and he would intercede on behalf of the people for God. But Jesus was the last and great high priest. That veil is rent. The Holy Spirit is now living in every one of us, and we are the temples. Mm -hmm. And that's what Paul tells us. Your body is a temple, and we house the Holy Spirit in us. Right. So there isn't a man on the earth who holds the priesthood keys right. and that he speaks for God, right. and he can tell you what you can and can't do with exactly. them. Exactly, exactly. Jesus is the only mediator between man and God right now. Absolutely. There are several people uh, who will leave a polygamy group um, and embrace uh, biblical Christianity like you've done. Um, why did you choose, uh, and there's many who won't, who absolutely refuse not to. They've had it with religion, they don't oh, want yeah. anymore, they've been burnt bad, uh, oh, uh, but you didn't, and, and, and you've got such a sweet spirit about it all, you know, and you were young, uh, praise God that you were able to do it even while you were still young. Why did you choose Christianity rather than just walk away from all religion? Oh, that's a, that's a, really the, the, the crux of the entire story. Um, there I am, a faithful member of the AUB, believing in Mormonism completely. And I'd heard about born-again Christians. Those are people that say, you just have to be, say you're saved and believe in Jesus, and then it doesn't matter what you do, they don't believe in good works at all. And I started listening to Christian radio when I was 17 or 18. Um, turned on the radio while I was working, and they had Focus on the Family, and Walk in the Word, and Grace to You, and Insight for Living, and all these great radio programs mm -hmm. of these men talking about Jesus. And I thought, this sounds pretty wholesome, I'll listen to this. <laughs> and I started to realize, these guys are pretty solid. They absolutely believe in good works. They just believe that it flows out of the heart. And, and Jesus Christ living in your heart, right. the evidence of that is your good works. 
Right. So there's no problem with these guys, and I started to, to really like it. And, man, they, they had a relationship with Jesus that I wanted. I coveted mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I was listening to it all the time. And one day I ended up saying the sinner's prayer with the guy on the mm-hmm. radio. I thought, I've always believed in Jesus, but the, I, my, my relationship has grown here, and I like what this guy's saying. I want to say it too. And I said, I, Lord, I want you to be in my heart and be the Lord of my life, and I, I trust in you, and I'm a sinner in need of saving. And I said all of these things, and then the man said, if you just said that prayer, welcome to the greatest family on earth. And I felt instantly like I had millions of brothers and sisters mm-hmm. all around the world. And you did, didn't you? Exactly. And it took me several years before I met a lot of them, <laughs> um, or any of them for that matter, because without having the Christian community around me, I still thought, well, now I'm a stronger Mormon for it. Now that I have this relationship with Jesus, now I can finally maybe do all the things that I need to do. I was always a good kid, but I knew I wasn't good enough yeah. to, to reach God, to become a God. Right. That's what I thought. Right. Um, I, I didn't fear God, but I feared that I wouldn't be good enough. So then I go forth. Okay, now I have a relationship with Jesus. I can work my way up to God. Um, <laughs> still didn't really understand the salvation by grace. Yeah. But there came a day when, when one day it just hit me, year after year, Week after week, day after day, I feel like I'm further behind than I was yesterday. It just was way too much to do. As, as hard as I was trying, as much as I wanted it, I wasn't on my way up. And I realized in this instant, if I have to work my way to heaven, I'm not getting there. I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, okay, well then maybe what, there's another way to heaven. I didn't even think that. I wasn't within my paradigm. This is the way to heaven, and I'm not getting there. Therefore... I am going to hell. Mm -hmm. And it was the worst moment of my life. I I, I couldn't even wish to die because I am not going any place better. And I was just in the depths of despair. And I was slumped against the wall and tears were streaming down my face. And I said, God, help me. And suddenly it was a vision that opened up in front of me. And I'm standing on the edge of a chasm and it's 10,000 miles between me and Jesus. It's just so far, I'll Mm. never get there. Uh, I, I could pick anybody else in the world and put my hopes in them and it's not going to get me over there nobody can bridge this gap. not even joseph smith not even joseph smith and as i as i'm looking at that and I, i'm looking ten thousand miles down into the abyss and this isn't helping i'm still in complete despair but i see that cliff over there it's a sheer cliff and there's no ladder going up it. there's no staircase if there was i would never be able to climb it but jesus did not come to show us the way and make us do it Jesus came to be to the way. To be the way. And I see that cliff, and it's going up, 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 10,000 miles. Mm-hmm. I see the cross and the light behind it, and God tells me, you are not worthy. You deserve death. Mm-hmm. But my son deserves eternal life, and he took what you deserved and offers you what he deserved. Right. And I was able to bridge that gap instantly. Of, of all my life trying and working and, and, and trying to make it up and is, is futile. And then here... To have it done instantly, I've never, it was the worst moment of my life that I am nothing without Jesus Christ. And then the best moment of my life that I am everything with yeah. Him. I can be everything with it's Jesus Christ. It's called the divine exchange. Is, he takes what you deserve and you get what He deserves. It's an awesome. Yes, awesome. and at that time, um, when there's that change of heart, first of all, you, you, I can't even describe how grateful you are that this really is a free gift. Mm-hmm. And it, that, just knowing that changes you. 
and then you are now plugged into the vine where good good works flow out of you. Right. You no longer strive to the, the, the branch doesn't try to grow grapes. Right. It grows it just, grapes it because it's a branch them. and yeah. because it's connected to the vine and Jesus is the vine. So when they say um, that faith without works is dead, absolutely. If you have faith in something and there's nothing coming out of this, it's probably faith in the wrong thing. Right. It's dead. Mm -hmm. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will produce works, will and they are an evidence works. of your salvation, not a means to your salvation. That's exactly right, and that's the Christian message. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except by me, but each Mormon polygamy group, and starting with Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, basically said, no one comes to the Father except with polygamy. Would you say that's the way you learned it when you were growing up? Was, Mormons, was polygamy required for essential for salvation for Mormons talk life? about salvation and exaltation. They say this is you being saved, but this is you being that's saved what greater. Mormons do, but polygamists they And that's how we saw it too. Salvation saw and exaltation and you're not really going to be with God. You'll be saved in some lower Glory, kingdom. Yeah. Uh -huh. But you're not going to be with God unless you are a polygamist. That was very clear. Yeah, okay. I remember thinking I even even when I believed all this, I said Okay, I know that God's a polygamist, which I think is crazy now. Yeah, it is crazy. I know that he told his prophets to live it, which I don't believe now. No, he didn't. I know he <laughs> wants me to live it, which I don't believe now. No, he doesn't. I know these are true, but why? It doesn't seem right to me. It seems to me like one man and one woman is a really good ratio. Yeah, and that's what he did with Adam and Eve. And so that's, that's the, that's that's the only example that, that we have of marriage is in the Bible with Adam and Eve, of a good, right. uh, of a biblical marriage. When, when Paul talks in um, Ephesians about how to have a good marriage, th this is all one man, one woman. And mm -hmm. I started believing that, believing that I had to live polygamy, I, I began to, to say, where's my good example? We, we revere Abraham, but he wasn't very good at polygamy. He sent Hagar away. I don't want a family like that. I don't want a family like, like Abraham. Well, I always say, if they, they keep saying you have to do the works of Abraham, well, the works of Abraham was cast Hagar and the slave woman and her child out. That's what they did. And, and Paul tells us very clearly that Abraham is not saved by his works. Ex exactly. Saved Chapter by his faith 4 in of Romans. Yes. Okay, well, we are ready to open up the telephone lines and, and let our viewers call in and ask you questions or make comments. So, if you want to ask our uh, guest Shiloh Jessup some questions or make some comments uh, about our topic tonight. You are welcome to call in. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. And when you call in, be sure that you allow us to have a two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. And call in before five minutes to nine or else you may not be able to get on the air. So as we're waiting for the phone calls to come in, we're going to share a message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. 
There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. I'm Doris Hansen, the host of Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we've been interviewing our special guest tonight, Shiloh Jessup, born and raised in the All Red Polygamy Group. And he's been sharing his story and how he's discovered the truth of biblical Christianity and uh, talking about what he was uh, taught as doctrine growing up and how he's compared the doctrine with what the Bible teaches. Uh, and we've been having a very good conversation. If you'd like to join the conversation, please call and we'll be happy Happy to talk with you or answer questions. Our number is 801-973-8820, and the phone lines are open, so give us a call. Um, uh, Shiloh, by the way, that's an interesting name. What, Isn't explain it? how you got that name. Uh, my parents, um, all, of, all of their children, at least all of my mom's children, have very interesting names that they felt had a lot of meaning. Um, my middle name is uh, Shem after my dad and my grandfather. Oh. Um, but uh, Shiloh is actually in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Hebrew. Mm -hmm. It was the place where the tabernacle was. And uh, it's one of the names, I, I believe the Jews still today look forward to Shiloh when Shiloh comes, one of the names for the Savior. So mm -hmm. uh, a little bit humbling to have comes, that, but right. he lives within me, so <laughs> maybe it's fitting. Do you get many people asking you what that significance of the name is, people who are not familiar with the yeah, Bible? Yeah, yep, a lot of people ask me that. So it gives you a good chance to talk about the Bible, it does. doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Great, okay. Well, I have a question, uh, and this is probably one of my pet peeves of, of bad doctrine. And I kind of want to see what you think about it. Um, and I, I'm assuming that you were brought up with the doctrine that Jesus and Lucifer are spirit brothers. Mm -hmm. And that we are also their spirit brothers and sisters because we all have the same heavenly parents. What did you think about that when you became a Christian and realized that that was a lie? It was kind of interesting that um, my journey out of Mormonism and uh, into what I consider freedom in, Christi in, in Jesus Christ uh -huh. um, did, had, had so much more to do with salvation by grace and not by works that uh, those sorts of things came later. Later on I realized, wait, so then what did happen in heaven? <laughs> Sometimes, still today, I will quote a Bible verse and then I will say, Wait, a, Wait a second, is that in the Bible? <laughs> so it's a little bit hard. <laughs> it's kind That's of interesting. <laughs> but um, with that, so, so I, I remember, okay, so... What, what actually happened? There was a war, Satan, and then the host did rebel, but, um, but not that Jesus and Satan were brothers, and definitely not that we were all on the same level, right. that we're all just um, 
Well, we didn't even pre-exist. We didn't even pre-exist. Exactly. And um, when God says to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you, that's because God knows the time doesn't exist to him and he knows each one of us intimately, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. before he made us. Right. But to to think, um, okay, so there wasn't a war in heaven. There wasn't a pre-existence. I didn't earn my place on earth by choosing something. It's not something I did. This is all the glory and grace of God. Mm -hmm. Um, That was very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm still learning some of the ramifications of that. Yeah. And and I, I kind of went into a state of shock every time I learned something new like that that was profound like that and that Jesus himself was God himself and there's only one God there's not many God and you can't become God those were big things to learn doctrinal things to learn absolutely it's um it's it's blown my mind but um I think it does actually tie back into the doctrine and theology. First of all, where did we get these ideas? It didn't come from the Bible. It, right. ca- it came from one man. And though I was always told, you're supposed to pray and, and get your own testimony, um, really I didn't know what else to believe except that. So, except mm-hmm. so if everybody at church was saying this and it felt good to all of them, and of course it would feel good to me, they'd say that along with Jesus is the Christ. Everything feels good mm-hmm. to me, so I guess I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that I questioned it. But now I understand the nature of God is very different than the nature of man where it is Previously, I thought they were exactly the same. Yeah. I thought that God was once a man, once a man, and mm-hmm. only exalted. Living polygamy in heaven, and thought but to his think wife. of a of a of a father in heaven, a, a vast, eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent—it's this thing that we cannot comprehend or put in a box. Mm-hmm. That has opened the door to a lot of other things. And, and you know, it, it so amazed me to to just discover who God was, who He wasn't, how big He is, how wonderful oh, yeah. He is. So different than the God I learned about in the polygamy group. We've got a couple of calls here, so let's take mm. them. One of them is uh, Chris is calling from Harriman. Hello, Chris. Hello. Hello, Chris. Yes, you're on the yeah. air. You're on the air. Turn I'm the, here. Yeah, turn. You're on the air. You need to ask your question and turn your volume of your TV down. I got it down. Okay, what's your question or comment? You know, first off, I want to thank, thank Shiloh for his honesty in coming forth and leaving the polygamous group, which must have been obviously a choice he made between Jesus and Joseph, and he chose Jesus. I know there's like 30 different Mormon splinter groups that are out there that all think that they're true, and obviously the main LDS church isn't true either. But one of the questions I had for him was, what is the major difference that showed him the truth that that uh, Joseph Smith was a false prophet? Good question. Oh, that's an excellent question. Thank you for that, Chris. Um, when it came down to... I told my story of, I I now believe in salvation by grace and not by works. Well, for a little while, I actually tried to mesh those, well, not mesh the two together. I believed now in salvation by grace, and I said, okay, I'm a Mormon, and I believe that we're going to heaven only on the merits of Jesus, and and I tried to put those two things together and remain a Mormon. The more I studied, I was still a very, very studious, uh, zealous young scholar. (laughs) The more I read, the more... I would come across things that Joseph Smith or Brigham Young said that I couldn't fit in. Yeah. And by this point, no longer do they have precedence. Because now I've had this experience, I know. Uh, I've, I've been changed inside my heart, I've been born again. Mm-hmm. So now if I read something that contradicts that, that Joseph Smith said, he's wrong, yeah. not it. Yeah. And uh, it, the, the biggest thing was when I came to a, a part of the Doctrine and Covenants that said, there is a law irrevocably decreed before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And if a man obtains any blessing, 
It is by obedience to that law. Mm -hmm. In other words, mm -hmm. if you do this, then you get this. That we cannot do that. And I said, I don't think Joseph Smith knows what he's talking about anymore. <laughs> and if he's wrong on this, what else was he wrong about? Yeah, How many sure. things are there that we've got on nobody else's word except Joseph Smith's? Right. That was exactly. a big issue for me. You know, for me, a biggie was uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, where it says, the, the, flower, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And the, the moment, the, the very moment that I read that verse, I knew, for uh, it was a God thing, of course, that I could trust anything the Bible said. I knew that they had lied when they said that the Bible wasn't translated correctly because God was able to preserve His Word, and He promised He would. So how could He break His promise? And so at that point, the Bible was my standard, and anything I remembered that they taught me about Mormonism, the Mormon Church, Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, or any of it, I knew immediately if it didn't fit with what the Bible said that it was wrong. So it was an easy standard, an easy oh, yeah. standard for me to go. And we, we could we could spend ten hours just talking yeah. about is the Bible trustworthy? And oh, um, yeah. and I've come to find out that that it is, uh -huh. and that it isn't a translation of a translation, and no. that nobody went back and changed anything. That's right. We have original documents. It's it's, it's more trustworthy than I ever thought it was. Oh, you I bet. Looked into the it's historical absolutely. Facts. And God promised, and God cannot lie. It was very refreshing <laughs> to me to be able to read Romans and not think, okay, what in here is and what in here isn't. Yeah. But just this is God's love letter to me. Uh -huh, exactly. Every word of God. Every word of the Bible is God-breathed. Okay, we have Stephanie calling us from Ogden. Hello, Stephanie. Hi. Hello, are you I here? I have a question. What do you guys think about the lost boys that are being kicked out of um, down in South and as far as their dietary needs, as far as them eating the beans as well? Well, I talked about that at the beginning of the show. And, uh, uh, I, well, it's, uh, it's nothing short of abuse. It's very abusive that they would even do that to their children. Um, yeah, I, I missed the first fifteen minutes. So oh, sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, had you heard about that before? Had you I heard had that not. Story, that I had not. But that's that's heartbreaking to me, and um, I believe firmly that uh, we, as the body of Christ, um, I, I like to talk about one of the initial physical evidences. One of the evidences of your salvation is a heart for the lost, and a heart for the broken, and a heart for the lonely, mm -hmm. and. Um, a, a missionary. You're either a that's missionary where, where or you're an imposter yeah. if you say you're a Christian. Yeah. So yeah. I think we have a, an obligation to do what we can for these boys we and have for, an, for have other an starving people. To pray for them and to to be maybe call your um, your officials, your family services, whomever would go in there and with authority to stop the abuse that's going on with those diets. How can you eat? See, what Warren Jeffs did about six months ago, and we probably wouldn't have known this was even going on except a woman by the name of Ruby Jessup who had been um, kidnapped and raped when she was 14 years old and then hidden away so that nobody could find her. She finally got out about a month or two ago with six of her children, all of her children actually, and it Praise was God. her children that, she, that we found out that that's what uh, Warren Jeffs had... Um, had said that none of the kids could have anything except two meals a day and they had to be beans and water. That's how we discovered that this is what has been going on the past six months. So we urge and our it, viewers. It's just really disturbing to me. It is. Especially where it can lead into health issues mm -hmm. for all of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. As far as them being kicked out, that's a health issue in itself because they're left out to the elements to send for themselves with 
just what they have on the back, nothing to eat or drink or nothing. Uh, that's right. And you know what? Our viewers can do something. All they have to do is pick up their phone, and they can call somebody down in Washington County or somebody down in Arizona where Colorado City is. You can do something and let your voice be heard to get these children out of that mess. So that's what we think about it. Then <laughs> thank you, right. Stephanie, for calling thank and bringing you. it up. Mm -hmm. Good night. Okay, we have Mary calling from Riverside. Hello, Mary. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. You're on the air. What is your question? Mary, turn your volume down on your TV. Yeah, I just, I just did. Thank uh, you. Okay. What's yes. your question? Um, a few years ago, I went down to Short Creek area and met Cousins Jessups from, um, and I went, was invited back to a family reunion of people that had left that group and sat around the campfire. Now, you must, I must admit, I went down there with some preconceived notion that the men were all bad and the women were all bad and come away with a different idea as we sat around the campfire listening to these men talk about trying to escape. Now, I know that was Shiloh. I wondered how he felt about that, and these obviously are all part of the family, although they're not the same group. Right, right. Um, There's and just then I have one other um, When I left the LDS church, the bishop told me that I was giving up the blessings and the spirit. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Um, but I recognize he did not understand that I did not get the Holy Spirit from him. That's right. And that is a, a misconception that many LDS people have is that the Spirit comes, they get the Spirit from the church. Spirit comes from God. It comes absolutely from God. And you know what, so Mary? I'll hang up now and... and one, of the, one of the things that for Mary and for any of our LDS or, or polygamous viewers, one of the most beautiful verses that I discovered in the Bible was, I think it's John six thirty seven, where Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, I will not excommunicate him. He says, I won't ever cast you out. You know what? When Jesus gets a hold of you, he holds on to you forever and he never lets you go. And he also told us in John that once the Spirit comes, once he gives us the Holy Spirit, he will be with us forever. He'll never leave us. And so there you go for what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do. And so what's your answer to her question on uh, the, the people who wanted to run, couldn't wait to get out? Yeah, um, I think that's important to know that your relationship with God isn't defined by your leaders in these kinds of groups. In fact, throughout history, there's always somebody trying to market and to, uh, to make a profit from God's Word and mm -hmm. to control and to that's gain power. Right. Um, most of these people, they, they would say, you, um, if you are really uh, in line with the Spirit of God, then you will adhere to these things, which that, that isn't the case. And there, um, I, I just want to submit to you that there may be something else out there. Open your mind to it, and God won't let you down. Yeah, won't let yeah. You down. And you know, the Bible says to study. We don't just see if we get a testimony and get a feeling. We're supposed to study for the truth and really search and look for it. And you don't get that if you just do a one-sided study. Yeah. And, and people say, well, you know, you're encouraged to get your own testimony. 
but if you get your own testimony that it's something other than this, then you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and and that's that's, that's right. what I even that's even right. thought. Well, I'm going to study, but only as long as it confirms with what I believe. Mm -hmm. And what I, they tell you, you it's study. it can be very fearful to uh, to consider actually doing something else. Mm -hmm. um, but I promise you. God is a better teacher than any man, That's and right. and God is a better father than any man, and God is, He is our provider and our caretaker, and He won't let you down. No, she has about um, these people who, um, these young child people who were talking about they couldn't wait to get out or they wanted to run. Did you have that in your group? And what would you speak to people who? Maybe you're watching right now who really are thinking about leaving, but they don't have the courage or they're afraid that they're walking away from the only chance of eternal life. What would you have to say to them? Well, first of all, most of us, or I'd say even all of us, wouldn't have worded it that way, that, that we were trying to get out. And I know that's the case in some of the other groups. But even those who um, are just afraid to question, some of these things have bothered you. Uh, plural marriage is hard, and you think that, well, because it's hard, I'm a selfish person. There's a chance that maybe it's not from God. And I know that there are people that are just so afraid to even question and so afraid to look at going anywhere else um, that they won't. As soon as that question comes into their mind, they push it out and they go somewhere else to do something else. So the, the, the only advantage um, that those other people have is at least they want out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so God's message to both of those groups of people is, you can get out. Mm -hmm. You seek me, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added mm -hmm. to it. You'll mm -hmm. have a new community, you'll have new family, you'll have friends, you'll have everything that you left behind and so much more if, mm -hmm. you, um, if you seek first God. Right, exactly, exactly right. So don't be afraid to study outside of the material that they give you. Okay, we have a call from Charlotte in Payson. Hello, Charlotte. Yes, you're on the air, Charlotte. What's your question? Hello. I, I was just greatly encouraged by Shiloh's testimony and what God has done in his life and uh, the part that Christian Radio had in that. I work at a Christian radio station in Provo. I don't know if it might have been our station or not, but uh, hmm. it's just encouraging. And uh, I'd encourage him to let the station know what, what God did through that station. There you go. Oh, whatever station it was, you need to call them and tell them what they yeah. did to you. <laughs> I remember um, specifically KEYY and KYCC were two that played a big part for me. And um, I've, I've sought out some of those uh, ministries specifically, Focus on the Family. I spoke with them when I was in, in Colorado Springs, and uh, they were so excited to hear from me. And I've been thinking the same thing. I need to get with all, all those other ministries that touched me that don't even know it. Mm -hmm. um, it's and, encouraging. And let me encourage you and anyone else who, maybe you don't even have a voice on the TV or on the radio, but just your life may touch somebody that you never even realize. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thank you, Charlotte, for calling in and reminding us that. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay, we have Martin calling from Salt Lake. Hello, Martin. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. What's your question? Yes, my question is, uh, my question is this. Is, did any of Joseph Smith's prophecies ever come true? No. No, we have a list actually of 53 prophecies that were false prophecies of Joseph Smith. But, you know, the Bible tells us that only one false prophecy makes a false prophet. So we don't even have to argue about 53 of them. We only mm -hmm. have to argue about one of them. 
And we've actually done shows where we talked about some of these false prophets. But I don't know of any that came true. Do you? Um, I, I brought up this um, with friends or family once. And they pointed to the one where Joseph Smith said that the, the saints would someday settle in the Rocky Mountains, and that has now happened. Interesting thing, not even a, a you know, a ministry to Mormons or an anti-Mormon source. This was a, a book called Words of Joseph Smith, put out um, by some professors in, in, uh, at BYU. A uh, very uh, comprehensive list, uh, or a book about a lot of sermons of Joseph Smith. And in the forward there, they talk about one of the interesting things we found is this misquote where Joseph Smith didn't say that uh, the saints would settle in the Rocky Mountains, but that what he had actually done is he called from everyone from Maine to the Rocky Mountains to come to the aid. And it wasn't even a prophecy at all. <laughs> so a lot of people think that's a prophecy that came true. In fact, it's but not. It, it wasn't. Oh, uh, yeah. He did make some remarks about the Rocky Mountains, but uh, in fact, he told one of his wives uh, that when they, they they were thinking of going west, and once they got there, then he would he would publicly let the people know that she was his wife at that time, oh, up until that point. I can't remember which wife it was either right now. Mm. But anyway, I hope that answered your question. Okay, we have Jeff calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Jeff. Yes. Yes, you're on the air, Jeff. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. Um, can I go ahead and ask my question? Please do, yes. My question is, is how do you both feel on listening to the show? And You were obviously born into this. Um, is there any resentment or bitterness? Um, I guess I can only assume there may be that you were born into this with no choice, and do you feel your childhood were robbed from you, taken away of, let's call it the normal American type of childhood raising and upbringing that, you know, that was taken away? Is there a bitterness or resentment that you feel from, from your, you know, the way you were raised? Uh, Jeff, I'll answer my question first because it's going to be short, and then we'll let him speak. I used to have bitterness. Uh, when I left, I was very bitter. My childhood was stolen from me. Uh, but And I remained bitter for several years until I became a Christian. And then I realized how much God loves me, and the bitterness is gone. I know I'm accused of bitterness often, and I think that's just because I criticize doctrine. But I'm not bitter anymore, and I'm grateful that God has given me the opportunity to speak to people about polygamy now, and I couldn't do that if I did not experience it myself. So you've got about a minute to answer, and then we'll have to close. Uh, my experience was different. Um, I feel like I came to know the Lord because of amazing influences in my life, like my parents who taught me to love God and taught me to love truth. And although they're devastated with what I've decided that is, uh, where my path has taken me, I give them credit, and I feel like I had an amazing childhood. You, you have an amazing And I was lucky. I, I know a yes, lot of people didn't, but I, I had an amazing childhood, and I loved my parents, and they did everything they could for me. And you know, I've talked to a few people, very few, who have come out for, of this kind of a, of a background that really have such a sweet story as you've got. Last week, again, like I mentioned, we had a lady here who had a sweet story as well. But it's rare because the experience that we have in a polygamy group normally is so oppressive and dictatorship and, and um, narrow, so narrow that you, you just can't express yourself. So uh, we, we won't be taking any more calls tonight because we're uh, to the end of our show. Thank you, Shiloh, for coming oh, and sharing. We will be having Shiloh next week along with his wife uh, as our guest because she has a big part in, in Shiloh's story as well. So we'll have them back next week. 
I'd like right now for you to imagine for a moment that you're in a courtroom on trial for a crime that carries the death penalty. All the evidence is against you, but you alone know that you're guilty. And your attorney has made his defense, and now you're waiting for the verdict from the jury. Everyone in the courtroom is deathly silent as the jury comes in and the foreman steps forward to announce their decision. You rise to your feet and you face the judge and the jury foreman announces their verdict, guilty as charged. The judge pounds the gavel and pronounces your sentence immediately and that is the penalty of death. There's no way that you can escape, and there is no one there who can save you from the penalty. And you're led away in handcuffs. Suddenly a stranger steps forward, and he says, I will be your substitute. I will take your punishment. And the judge then questions the stranger and accepts him as your substitute. The handcuffs are taken off of your wrists, and they're put on his wrists, and then you are free to go, and he is taken away. You are the guilty one, and you're allowed to go free, and because someone else is willing to take your punishment. And that someone else is Jesus Christ. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered for, to death for our sins. And Romans 5.8 says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if you're honest with ourselves and all of us, I have to admit that we are guilty sinners. And Jesus became our substitute for God's justice against our sin. So stop trusting in your works and trust in Jesus alone. Good night. <laughs> This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Mm -hmm.